0: Kia ora koutou kou, Victoria McLennan toko ingoa. Welcome to Bridging the Gap, a podcast that celebrates diversity here in Aotearoa, New Zealand's digital technology industry. I'm the CEO of IT Professionals, Te Hangarau Nayo. From developers to programmers, product managers to designers, this field is filled with a wide range of individuals who bring unique perspectives and skills to their mahi join us as we delve into the stories and experiences of those who strive to bridge the gap and foster a more inclusive and thriving digital technology community here in Aotearoa New Zealand. Today I'm joined by a fabulous Eleanor from the other side of the world. Kira Eleanor, thanks for joining me. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I am I can't remember when we last saw each other, but it was pre-covid, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it would have been around four years ago. Yeah, too long ago.
0: It is. It's a long time. So tell us where you are for a start and what time is it right now?
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks. So uh, I'm Eleanor and I currently live and work in Tel Aviv in Israel. So literally one of the furthest places you can get from New Zealand, uh, but it's it's one of the biggest tech ecosystems and it's a great, uh, it's great being part of it. Um at the moment, where it's a uh, quarter to nine uh, in the morning here. Yeah. So it's, uh, oh, it's a decent hour to have bad. a chat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was worried I got you out of bed, you know. No, no, no. no very good. <laughs> I interviewed someone the other day um and he was in India. And it wasn't until after we would stopped recording, he told me that it was 4 a.m. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, no, I no, no. <laughs> it felt so bad. So that's why I thought I'd ask. <laughs> So you've been in this fabulous industry for a few years. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your potted history and um, and what you're doing now?
1: Absolutely. Um, so I started off uh, actually outside of the industry. I did uh, I studied mechanical engineering and I did my PhD in mechanical engineering. Um, and and towards the end of my PhD, I was trying to figure out what the next steps would be. You know, where do I see myself? Where do I What do I want to do? How do I want to contribute to society? And um, it was actually uh, at an event that was held um, at one of the big tech companies in New Zealand, um, where a woman spoke about her role. You know, she described what she does on a day to day basis, the fact that she works with customers. She brings them innovative technologies. She works with them to implement it and make sure that they reap the rewards out of these technologies. and I was hooked. I was like, wow, you know, this combines everything that I want to do and you know, working with customers and real world problems. And I was like, I, I want some of that. Um, and, and that's what gave me the first exposure to the industry. And and really I keep telling the story in different in different environments because if it wasn't for that exposure, if they didn't have the transparency into what a job in tech could look like, I would have never have thought to apply for it. Um, So fast forwards uh, a year later, I, I applied for a job. I worked at IBM um, in New Zealand for a couple of years as a digital consultant. I then moved into working uh, at Soul Machines, so one of the leading startups in New Zealand, again for a year and a half. um, Both of these roles were combining both tech and and people skills. Right. So again, how do we take amazing, innovative, cutting edge technology to different companies? How do we make sure that they understand how it can benefit them. How do we work with them to implement, to integrate it into their systems, both from a tech point of view, but from a people point of view as well. So obviously, there's a lot of technical challenges, but a lot of people and change management challenges as well. Um, and absolutely love that kind of role. And, and I'm quite grateful that I found what, what fits me. Um, so yes, I worked, uh, my last gig at, um, in New Zealand was working at Soul Machines, I worked with different companies around the world uh, to implement digital humans. Um, And then I decided, you know, that I wanted to to move on to my next challenge. Um, And and I wanted to be part of a a bigger industry, a bigger ecosystem. And that's how I, uh, that's what pushed me to move to Tel Aviv. Um, So for those that don't know Tel Aviv, uh, you know, other than San Francisco, Tel Aviv is the biggest hub for startups in the world. Um, if you look at the money raised it, it raises you know an insane amount of money there's lots of vcs based here um so yeah lots of startups and also a lot of the larger enterprises are based here there aws google microsoft uh, intel um so really a, a very strong hub when it comes to tech um, and i wanted to be part of it so i i joined a company as a product manager i uh i moved to different roles in there and at the moment i i And two and a half years into my experience at a company called Rookout, where we have a live debugging um, platform for developers. And there I lead the solution engineering team.
0: Wow. Wow. (laughs) I'm just always wow with you. So just a crazy question that just popped into my mind. So working in Tel Aviv in the tech sector, is English the primary language or was, you know, is there a language barrier there?
1: No, so everyone works in English, um,
0: right. everything written, be it in
1: Slack, email, WhatsApp, it's all in English um, and meetings. It depends on the crowd. So if you've got a full Israeli team in a meeting, they would probably talk in Hebrew. As soon as you've got one person who's not fluent in the Hebrew, right. it would switch to English. Um, and and one of the things I would say, you know, for, for People who don't speak Hebrew, we do have an advantage. English is our mother language, so we're, we're at advantage in terms of working with with customers because most of our customers are English speakers. So it's it's not hard fitting in. Um, but you know, it's always good to know the local language because lunch is always yeah. done in Hebrew, and your corridor <laughs> conversations
0: are in Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah, just sorry, that popped into my head, Willem. Yeah, I no, it's true. Yeah. Listening to you. So you came from a a really interesting space, another part of STEM, I guess. And then, as you described, came into tech. Tell tell me about some of the challenges you've faced as a woman working in the digital technology industry and how you've overcome those.
1: Yeah yeah 100%. So I'll tell you that as you said you know I started in mechanical engineering. Yeah. And uh, to give you context that is the field with the least amount of women. Um, so so you know I remember when I worked actually during my my PhD I worked with a BMW sales so in their offices and I wanted to go to the bathroom and the the women's bathroom was literally in a separate building. So it can't get worse than that. Um but yeah so so moving to tech was a bit refreshing. Um, but, but it still gets to the fact that, you know, you, you're lacking role models that look like you, people that you can aspire to be like, you know, it's one thing to have uh, a mentor who's, you know, a a male mentor who's fantastic and really aspirational, but, but you can't relate to them as much. You, You can't see yourself in their shoes. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was that, you know, there are less people that I can aspire to be like, because I don't look like them. I don't behave like them. And that's what gets to me. So the lack of uh, role models, women role models, um, there are some out there, you know, you're one of them. But um, it's, I think that's the biggest challenge is not being able to see who I can be like um, in, in the industry as much.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. And that's the whole reason why I've started this podcast because I really want people to see that there is an opportunity to, to join the digital technology industry and to showcase not only the diversity of women who are in this industry, but also people from different backgrounds and the diversity of the different roles. And you just talked about you started as a product manager. You know, that's a fairly new role. Not many people have been product managers for a very long time. And if you haven't worked in software as a service before, you wouldn't even know what that is. So being able to showcase some of the different roles that there are too hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so what do you think some of the unique skills that women bring to this industry?
1: Um, so first and foremost, hardworking. I think, uh, I think we can all comfortably make this generalization that women give everything their all and they work exceptionally hard um, and they strive for a higher quality, you know, and, and I can say this wholeheartedly, with fellow women that I've worked with, with women that I've managed, um, they really, really uh, aspire to do things uh, to a higher standard. Um, but other than that, the unique skill set, which I think is really relevant in our industry today, is the empathy side of things. You know, tech—we we generally think of this industry as someone just uh, coding in front of their computer in a you know in a cave, not talking to anyone. But that's the the furthest away we can get from from the true true world because a lot of what we do and a lot of businesses rely on having customers and and having people use the technology and understand it um and so one of the the most important things we need in this industry are people who can relate to other people who can convince other people be it in sales be it in marketing be it you know people like me who have to Gain other people's trust because we're integrating technologies in sensitive places in their workforce. You know, I need to build that trust through empathy so that they'll feel comfortable working with me. So, so this empathy is a game changer, um, and I think it it is what sets people apart in this industry. How well you can work with people, how well you can get along with people, and how well people can trust you. Um, and that's something that I see women really bringing to the table.
0: That's really awesome and great insight. So if there's someone watching this who is considering coming into the digital technology industry or working in another career and considering changing into this industry, what kind of advice would you give them on getting started or what to expect? Or have you got, have you got some advice for anyone who's thinking about it?
1: Absolutely. So, So there are a few things I would say, you know, Do your homework in terms of gain some basic skills. You know, what is it that you want to do? How do you want to contribute? And again, tech isn't just coding. But if coding is what you're passionate about, do some courses online. There's so many resources, so many assets online that you can use um, to learn whatever you want. You know, we talked a little bit about product management. I did a Udemy course in product management um, from the comfort of my own home it teaches you everything you need to know everything you need to know to interview and to work successfully. Hopefully you need, obviously you need to practice a bit as well, but it does give you that background. So whatever kind of uh, role you want to go into, have a look at online content um, as, as a first step. Um, and, And then the second one is really, you know, see what you're passionate about because, you know, the specific role is one thing, but the application is another thing, you know, are you incredibly passionate about transport and finding solutions for the transport industry? You know, right. would this be a company that suits you? Or are you really passionate about financial services? You know, how does banking work? How does how do we provide those services? So understand what you're passionate about. And, and you know, it can be multiple multitude of things. And then try and find people that that work in that, you know, hear from them. What do they do on a day-to-day basis? Get insights from them into how to get into that industry. So there are a lot of things we can do. Um, and there are a lot of things we can do that are free, you know, most of these things are free so it's, it's it, you know, it shouldn't take too many resources to get into the industry.
0: If you're an IT professional or aspiring to be one, we encourage you to check us out. As New Zealand's only digital technology industry body who is focused exclusively on the people who work in this industry, we provide a range of resources events, and networking opportunities to help you grow your career and stay up to date with the latest trends and technologies. Visit our website at itp.nz or flick us an email, info at itp.nz. I'm going to ask you an off-script question now. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's one of the biggest kind of contrasts that you've found has been different from working in the industry in, in Aotearoa New Zealand To working in the industry in Tel Aviv, have you noticed any real differences? That's a good question. I think the biggest (laughs) thing, um, yeah, yeah, I I think the
1: biggest thing is that um, personal life does intermingle with work life a lot more here. Sorry about that. Um, So, for example, I I remember three months into into working in my first company here in, in Tel Aviv, I got invited to a colleague's wedding. Um and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's absolutely that's absolutely normal here. Um in contrast to that, when I worked in New Zealand, um for two years I didn't know whether my CEO was married with kids or not. Um and so I think there's a lot more (laughs) there's a lot more distance um between people in New Zealand and and people uh, are very familiar with each other um here in (laughs) Israel. And you know, there are pros and cons on one hand. You form a lot um, deeper relationships with the people that you work with. Uh, but on the other hand, you have less separation. So I'm not saying one is better than the other, but it's a, a huge difference um, if I compare the two industries.
0: That's amazing insight. Thank you for sharing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> put you on the spot to ask that. <laughs> um, I've now got a good gnarly one for you. If you could invent something to solve a wicked problem, what problem would you want to solve?
1: Yeah. So so one of the uh, And just like one of the sectors I'm most passionate about at the moment is transport. Uh, And I think a lot of, a lot of our uh, issues and concerns in life uh, come down to transport. You know, where do I live that's accessible to work? How do I get to see my friends and family, you know, and and obviously all the environmental impacts around that. So one of the things I I would love to solve is how do we get from A to B in the most efficient manner? Um, And there's a ton of work that, uh, is taking place around this a lot of solutions um and we are improving right i, I don't know what the situation is like in new zealand at the moment but in israel you see a lot more electric cars for example and rideshare apps and so on uh, but i think there's a lot more work to be done there and that's something that i would love to see improvement and, and us uh finding more and more solutions for
0: i have to say there are a lot more teslas near where i live than amazing um, i, I- feel comfortable about it it's oh no good. no um, <laughs> and yeah. um and there's a lot of talk at the moment about how we could have high speed rail in New Zealand and what kind of investment that would be like mm-hmm. imagine if there was a computer train from Wellington to Auckland sort of discussions so people yeah. are really engaging in how do we change the transport system um every day And the other thing that's happened here post-COVID for the last couple of years is the government have subsidised public transport really heavily, so it's really cheap to use trains and buses, but they haven't invested in improving that transport, so it's still the slow train and the irregular bus. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Look, I think there's a lot of room for improvement and a lot that the tech industry can contribute to there. You know, there's obviously the the heavy infrastructure, but in terms of how do we provide the services, how do we optimise them, you know, a a lot lot can be done by the tech industry.
0: Yeah. So let's talk tech for a minute. Um, What are some of the more exciting things that you're seeing in the digital technology space at the moment and the potential that you think they might have to really change things and change the game moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think uh the exciting things for me is anything that brings people closer together and kind of brings down uh barriers and you know removes borders. Um one of the examples is you know, a company that enables you to have a digital bank, where as a company you can pay anyone around the world or a company that provides you the infrastructure to hire anyone from around the world Hmm. or, you know, the the technology that we all love and use on a daily basis around video chats and video calls. And not only that, you know, the fact that it's becoming more and more accessible to non-digital native folks. So, you know, the fact that I can talk with my parents who, you know, only read recently got their first smartphone um, and they feel comfortable with this technology wow so yeah 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 so so anything that brings people closer together and and brings down barriers and borders um I think is phenomenal and I'm I'm really excited to see how these things progress even further
0: well that's awesome and I just love the fact that we're just chatting now and there's no exactly and it's It's, normal yeah, yeah it is completely it's great yeah okay Before we go, I've got some quick fire questions for you. The first one, if you had to choose between having a robot assistant running around after you or an AI virtual assistant taking all the pain out of your workload, which one would you choose and why?
1: I'd uh, I'd go for an AI virtual assistant and I would make them focus on uh, scheduling meetings. I think that's something that we still haven't (laughs) cracked, right? Especially when we work with different people, so finding the right time it suits everyone um so it's I'd I'd love that because
0: unfortunately I I still spend too long on that yeah yeah I understand that completely (laughs) now next what's the best tech gadget in your life right now um so so look,
1: I, I have to choose my uh my phone. I I think if does that does that count as a tech gadget or is it too lame of an totally. answer Totally. No, <laughs> yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, yeah.
1: I uh <laughs> I I just uh the fact that we can have everything uh in our back pocket and not even think about it. And I think you feel it the most some days that you forget your phone at home.
0: Um yeah. so how much you rely on it. Yeah. And what's the worst tech gadget that you've got or or invested in? Um,
1: so, so I wouldn't necessarily say worse, but one of the ones that, you know, I haven't used as much as I thought I would, um, where the, uh, the tags to locate your, uh, your, your luggage ah. or your bags. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I would use it a lot more and, and, you know, I had it on my keys cause I always lose my keys and it just didn't become a habit for me. So it's something that it didn't quite, uh, catch on as much as I thought it would.
0: Well, I'm waiting for that technology to shrink so I can put it on my glasses. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I misplaced them all the time all and the time, no, they're yeah. not on my head. I just put them down and forget <laughs> where. Okay, next. What is your top tech tip that you give to people? Um, just give it a go. I uh, just nice. try
1: it out. You know, if you're trying, if you're trying to get into the industry, you know, it's it's full of Normal people, real people, just like you. Um, you know, there's not not a lot that sets us apart. If you're technical, there's a way in. If you're non-technical, there's a way in. Um, so that's the biggest thing I would say is just give it a go, um, see where you can fit in,
0: meet people, and and try it out for yourself. Do you doom scroll or do you shut it all down? I shut it down. Good to know. Well,
1: when you <laughs> said you
0: know when you said your phone was you favorite ticket yeah no but I have I have
1: strict, <laughs> I have strict rules uh you know I have uh you know, uh, you know after a certain hour there's no phone um and okay. I try you know on weekends to to have at least one day without the phone it really uh cleanses your mind
0: yeah nice and finally what makes you happy
1: um so just generally being around people I think uh the energy from people really makes you happy be it at work or outside of work you know at work as as i said i focused on doing a lot of um you know roles around people making sure people use it and the fact that i get to take innovative technologies to different people around the world that does make me happy Um, and then outside of work again it's hanging out with people and and being surrounded by positive energy
0: thanks for that and that's great and i really appreciate you giving me this time and having this chat and um i think you're a great role model eleanor as you know so i know people will enjoy listening to your story amazing thanks so much like Ka kite. bye all right cheers bye Kia pai, thank you for listening join me at the next episode of bridging the gap